Hello, welcome to season two of Creative Conversations, the Tiger Spirit podcast exploring creativity in life, the arts and business. I'm your host, Yang Mei Ui. I'm an author, video blogger and podcaster. We have a terrific show for you to start off 2019. My guest is stage actor and performing artist Stephanie Van Driesen, who is from Malaysia. Stephanie is a huge musical theatre star in Malaysia and Singapore, and I'm thrilled that she was able to join me for this episode of Creative Conversations. Stephanie, welcome to Creative Conversations. Oh, thank you so much for having me here today with you, Yang Mei. It's a pleasure. <laughs> Wonderful. Now, you have performed in dramatic theatre as well as musical theatre internationally. Um, let's learn a little bit of how you got started in the performing arts. It was um, parental uh, pressure, I I think, uh, <laughs> in the best possible way, uh, you know, the way that they want to have you, you know, be part of the arts, get creative, come out of your comfort zone, social exercise. So I got started on ballet very, very early on. Uh, and then after ballet, it was followed by singing in church. You know, I would do that for senior citizens events. And then I would go into and doing some piano as well. And then throughout my my teenage years, I got very much involved. I wanted to be, you know, Mariah Carey. I wanted to be Whitney Houston, you know, the way that you, you do at the time. And then Christina Aguilera. So I got involved in all sorts of competitions, um, joined things, which put myself out there singing in school. And then I graduated to, in a way, to, to doing some choir work in, in my college years. And then finally, um, I auditioned for a BA in musical theater, which was the first was kind in Singapore at the time in 2004, uh, got in, um, did three years there, and that, that kind of pretty much sparked it for me. This was at La Salle College of the Arts in Singapore. And then from there, you started to get uh, roles in, in theatre in Malaysia, Singapore, and, and, East, and Southeast Asia. Yes, yes. So I was, um, I was quite aware of, you know, the, the, the limitations of just being in one place. Um, so I started off in Singapore, actually, I wanted to, I spent a year there after I graduated, um, was doing quite a lot of different things. And then I said to come back to Malaysia, because there was a lot of a lot of other things happening in Malaysia, too. And I think no one at the time had the kind of degree that I had in the training. So it was just the right time for me to get involved. Um, and so musicals was what I was trained in. But I also started doing a lot of music, a lot of one-woman shows and concerts. And then I got into, you know, narration for, I think it was the Singapore Symphony Orchestra during those early years too. And then it just kind of sparked into a lot of different things, um, which I'm grateful for having done because very, very creative time indeed. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's just set the scene a, a little bit because uh, it just struck me that uh, I'm, uh, I'm from Malaysia, but I live in London and I know a little bit um, more about the London theatre uh, scene than, of course, yes, Malaysia and Singapore, because I live here and not there. Um, could you set the scene for our international audience about <laughs> what what the landscape is for Malaysian and Singapore, Singaporean theatre at the moment? At the moment, it is it is quite interesting because Malaysia and Singapore started off in pretty much the same boat um, in the 80s and 90s. A lot of the expat community actually from, a lot of them from the UK, in fact, um, decided to, because they had been posted to Southeast Asia for corporate work and things like that, but they had been exposed to 
oh, I've done some community theater work in the UK. And so they start off these little, little groups um, that would then put on shows and all that in the 80s, 90s. And then we had also so um, some other actors come over, like Joe Hashem, who is originally an Australian actor, but who is now married to a Dato Farid American. And the two of them have kind of established themselves almost as the grandma and grandpa of, of theater uh, in Malaysia. And they still carry on. They have the KL Performing Arts Center. But what are you finding now, I think, in Malaysia and Singapore? Because Malaysia, with regards to funding, has always been, you know, funding for the arts has always been an ongoing thing. And we don't quite yet have a culture where people... People see the arts as something quite essential to society's health and well-being, um, especially with the recent elections and all that. So we're having a little bit of issues. But when I went back in 2007, 2008 and all that, there was a lot more of a, a, a resurgence of interest in musicals and the arts. And so I kind of came in at the right time. Singapore was investing in its attraction, you know, for the economy, and they've continued quite steadily on in that. So you find that as far as where the money is right now in Malaysia or Singapore, of course, Singapore is where people are going to. And there's a lot more money being put into the education of the arts right from the school level, you know, all the way up to university. And they're also attracting a lot of foreign talent. So they have quite a big budget, and so a lot of things are happening. Um, in Malaysia, what we see also in the past few years is that a lot of smaller companies are coming up, young, youthful companies, um, you know, youths who are who are equally as business-minded as they are creative, which is nice because we, we're seeing a lot more of this sort of online medium coming through, you know, the, the presence of YouTube and things like that and Instagram. So I feel like in Malaysia, the culture is definitely going towards a longer uh, a format, which is more online, but there, will, there are also a lot of things still happening at, at, I would say, ground level, just because it's, you know, the theater yeah so that's really interesting about the landscape uh, in in malaysian and singaporean theater with new companies coming up in terms of the plays uh, and 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 the uh, performances that, that are being put on um is it the uh, western canon is it malaysian singaporean written plays what kind of plays uh, and performances are being are being staged uh, in that part of the world there is really quite a diverse mix. Um, I feel in Malaysia, because of the different languages that we have, like the, so we have audiences that also gravitate towards, you know, whether it's Malay form, Malay language, and then we have the, the Chinese, the Indians, and of course, then we have the, the English speaking crowd as well. Um, so a lot of it is some new works are coming out, but they're also kind of rehashing a lot of the older stuff and reinventing them, I find, which is what's happening right now. It's a little bit of a quiet time for musicals, especially because of the budget slashes that we've had quite recently. Um, so people aren't taking as much risks with big productions unless they're a lot more established. Um, they're associated like government linked. Um, they would have some of the bigger budgets right now, but within especially because i i've been here now in the uk for about a year and a half so when i was leaving there was a lot of work that was being done around how do we retell the stories for a malaysian audience um and i was in a production of betrayal that was actually done in english and in malay like on alternate nights so it was very interesting to see how they're playing with forms um, in Malaysia right now, trying to get around the fact of not having as much funding. And in Singapore, I know they're, they're, still they're taking a lot more risks, definitely. There is a sense of, 
bringing in, you know, the, the, the very Western mindset because it's a melting pot in what we don't have in Malaysia that Singapore has is a lot more of that sort of support from the international community coming in, the travelers, you know, people who are um, just there for a couple of days, you know, wanting to see something kind of like London, you know, in the sense so they're, they're seeing a lot more things that are being put up. And I think Recently, with the Crazy Rich Asians movie, um, that's seeing a lot more interest now, um, also in Southeast Asia, which is which is good. That is fascinating and, and, and terrific to see that there is this interest from audiences, uh, international audiences coming to the region, uh, as well as local audiences. Um, and I was uh, quite struck by what you said about um, you know doing betrayal in two different languages on alternate nights. I also noticed in your showreel that you play Desdemona in Othello, and that seemed to be an East Asian costume. Um, yes. Could you just tell us something about that? Yes, that was a very interesting experimental take on on um, Othello. What we did is we had a director from who was called Tage Larsen, and he was from the Odin Theatret Company, which is in Denmark, and he'd been brought over to do almost a stylized um, physical theater deconstructed version of Othello at one of our very old theaters, the Pangong Bandarai as a DBKL, um, the old, it's been there since I think the 50s or 60s when it was built and so it was this real mashup of having local actors from various training backgrounds uh, working with someone who's so used to working with the European style you know of 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 training which is which is in a way a lot more uh, you know clowning a lot more related to physical work physical theater and also having actors who are a lot more trained and experienced. So it was very interesting because I was still quite new at the time, having come out of musical theater training. Um, but as you know, you might have seen the photos, we had a set where it was just four columns that would that we would sort of use and construct and change to set the scenes, quite minimalistic, which is what I liked. And we also had cloth, which then could be sort of used to shape boundaries and physical shapes to create a sense of scenery um but the challenge with with the, sh the show was that it, it i think it was a blending of old and new and and different uh perspectives that maybe if we had a bit more time i felt that it could have it could have come across a little bit more powerfully um because a lot of the the comments that we had was that we see what we're what you're going towards but i think with regards to the level of, of experience that most of us had, we hadn't been exposed to a lot of things, which I think, in, you know, in the European countries, but also and also in the UK, the level of training um, that that is present, uh, you know, created created that sort of divide. But it was still very very exciting to to do Shakespeare in that way and to just have it be quite bare bones. It sounds really exciting. And I'm thinking, oh, I wish you would redo it and maybe incorporate some of the things that you've learned and make it a fantastic, you know, even more fantastic production and somehow bring it to London so that, you know, everybody else can see it. Um, <laughs> uh, it just sounds terrific. Um, now, you also created your one woman show. And of course, my ears pricked up when, when we met for coffee the other day. And of course, I yeah. did my one woman show. And it's like, oh, another person who's done yeah. their one woman show. Can you tell us <laughs> about that? Oh my gosh. Um, yes. Yeah, so that was, you're talking about the Marilyn and me um, one woman show, which I did a couple of years back. It was, it, it kind of 
spurred from a dissatisfaction in myself, actually, um, of, of the types of roles that, you know, that are available to performers, to actors. And I, I wanted to be challenged. I wanted to be stretched. And I just knew that if I waited for a role to come along, you know, I, I wouldn't have the chance to, to really sink my teeth into something as challenging as daring. So that was one reason why I did it. But another reason was also I felt like, you know, as an artist, like I read your book, I'm still reading your book, in fact, um, <laughs> that it has so much to do with that personal voice that you as an artist have, the stories that only you can tell and from the perspective that only because of who you are and your unique, you know, upbringing and circumstances and even racial mix, you know, does sort of bring into, into the fact that it's very powerful powerful when you do give it form. And that's exactly what, what happened because it, it kind of brought all the different elements together that I had been working on for a long time, which was, it was a jukebox musical format. So we did use the songs that were popular, that were from some movies, that were from some musicals as well. And some, you know, that Marilyn herself had sung in that, in movies that she was in and loosely tying it into the, the, the journey of, of the performer finding her place in her industry and in her world and, and the perception of how far can I go? Where is the ceiling? And it worked in Asia because I was at that point in my career where I had done a lot of really big work in, in musicals and on the stage. And I was not feeling stretched. I, I felt like even as a woman as well, you know, what is it I'm saying? So it became, it became a real cathartic um, show for me because half of the show I was myself exploring the parallels between myself as a woman, as an artist, and also as, as how, how empowered am I as a person to go out there and do what I need to do. And Marilyn, knowing that her history and, and the kinds of struggles that she had to go through as well in the early part of her career, I, I paralleled a lot of things that I was feeling with what she was going through, as well as public image, private image, you know, because she was a master of, of the public figure, you know, that became this icon to this day. We're still influenced by her image. And then the second half of the show was, was actually, I was like, well, if I'm going to do a Marilyn show, I might as well slip into her skin and take that risk at the risk of, you know, who is this actress in Malaysia who thinks that she can play Marilyn Monroe? Oh, and I'm that kind of person. I'm, <laughs> I'm a little bit crazy in that sense. I wouldn't say crazy, but we just take risks, right? Because might as well be bold. So I explored the question for her is that what if she had a chance to, to, to speak openly about you know, the things that were holding her back as an artist, you know, because we know that she took a year off from her film career in, I think, 1931-32 in order to go and study at the Actors Studio in New York. You know, she was trying to find herself as, as a performer who was, you know, serious, dramatic, not just this pretty blonde who was funny. Um, and I kind of paralleled that a little bit to how I was feeling at the time. Um, and we, we took a huge risk, myself and my collaborator, Dennis Eat, in fact, who's trained in the States um, as in, in film directing, funnily enough. Um, we collaborated on the script and the direction. And he, in the second half, we took a risk because we, we didn't quite have a finished script going into the final, going into the performance. And so we decided to improvise it, know exactly where we were going, you know, lead questions then into the song. So 
what what a lot of people saw in the second half was a very very heightened uh, improv improvised setting which was Marilyn after she had taken her overdose and she was in the space of limbo and she woke up and this interviewer played also by my director would ask her questions um, about you know what did she think she could have done differently or you know the men in her life and how they shaped her what was she what exactly was she looking for in all those relationships was she trying to find herself so we kind of went into a bit of existentialism there you know and and um we created quite freshly and um and we played even with the music you know her famous song i want to be loved by you right at the end we 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 changed it to a minor key um and we used that as her swan song as she left the stage and I came back on as myself, you know, sans wig, you know, changed my dress and things like that. So it was quite visceral for the audience. And we had people telling us after that, that, you know, A, they, they felt like they'd never seen anything like this before. You know, they, they felt like they were suffocating at some point, you know, and, and uh, some of them actually said that they felt like, you know, like they felt like sh- her essence was there um, and they could relate to it. Um, so, so that was wow. really transformative. <laughs> that just sounds incredibly powerful, and it's another one of your performances. I'm thinking, oh, find some way to bring it, bring it back to life, uh, as it were. Um, I, yeah. I, it just sounds um, so intriguing. Um, now, one of the things uh, that you're pretty good at is accents. You, you're Malaysian, but you sound vaguely American. <laughs> I know, but actually, if I talk like this, then. <laughs> You know, I've come from KL and Subang, you know. It's, uh, this yala, is my... Costa, but then we all have to put on different voices, isn't it? <laughs> I know, I know, right. This is like, this is more, because uh, my heritage, my mom is half Chinese. So um, my, my grandma and all that, this is kind of how I would talk, you know, with her and all that. But I'm heavily influenced by the American TV programming, you know, having absorbed that, <laughs> you know, as a child. Um, and then coming here, and I thought I had a pretty good English accent, actually, to be honest, uh, until I stepped into East 15 acting school. And then suddenly we, we have all these teachers, you know, telling us, oh, no, 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 this is British RP and we're going to do Shakespeare. So now I'm, I'm, I'm trying to master, you know, the British accent in this sort of British RP, South London um, influence, which is more BBC English. But then I don't quite get the whole local accent now in London I don't, I don't get I can't do it because I don't know what it is it's like a a mix of you know the immigrant sounds the kind of street sounds I can't do that yet uh but uh, recently I did those I had to become a passepartout in around the world it is so this is my French accent and that is uh, pretty much uh, what I have done in the past year or so so you know aside from that we've got a little bit of the Australian Australian accent that comes over every now and then because uh, when I was in Australia, I, would, I have family in Australia, but also um, in Singapore when I was doing my uh, BA in musical theatre, uh, we had a lot of actors and uh, teachers from Sydney and Melbourne. So that's pretty much um, where my accent is, is for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's fabulous. It's just wonderful how you just transformed in the, in the few sentences. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> 
Um, now let's get into the 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 sort of the the, the meat of your career. Really, um, you've played the lead in some of the most famous musicals, uh, Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz, I believe, um, Sally Bowles and Cabaret, um, yes. and you've played these in huge musical theatre productions um, in Malaysia and, and Singapore. I think several thousand seater auditoriums. Yes. Um, so um, you know what is that like? I, I've never had a chance to talk to a sort of superstar musical oh. diva before. So, you know, when, <laughs> how do you prepare to get onto the stage and you have all those thousands of eyes watching you? Um, so, so can you just give us some sort of behind the scenes? Um, yes. Uh, I mean, I, um, yeah, I mean, with, with regards to how do we access that space, that what is it like? It's a rush, you know, I think um, anyone who fancies themselves a bit of an actor, or a bit of a singer, there is adrenaline that you know that we the rush of of the feelings that you get from being in front of an audience so it's highly self-validating you know to be fair uh growing up I mean I was very much a I was hit by massive you know self-esteem issues as a teenager as we all are um and one of the ways I dealt with it was going up on stage you know and 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 suddenly suddenly it was different you know all eyes were on you and you know you were validated in a very different way and suddenly your status was elevated so i mean to sound you know not not to not to kind of demystify the whole process but for me that was and to this day there's still a portion of that you know still a portion of of a sense of feeling um looked at you know a sense of being acknowledged a sense of you know a sense of importance i think that comes from that and i think a lot of actors if they say that there's none of that then they're lying you know there's definitely something that comes from holding court you know holding the attention in the space of of multitudes of people really gives you something um validates maybe even your ego too and i'm sure it does um but then the more i did it the more i realized that i I loved transforming into these characters. I loved that they that they were so nuanced, that there was so much to dig. I'm quite investigative as a person. I love to question and question, question, question. And when you when you dive into such great writing, um, like for example with Sally Bowles, here is someone who is such a unique character, is such a unique temperament. And why is she the way she is? You know, so I I am quite psychological about my characters too. I really want to know what makes them tick because I. I'm, you know, I'm borrowing them for a while in order to tell the story. And so it's a mix of that. It's a mix of the beauty, the, the music. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm highly musical. I love songs in general. Music in general for me is something that if I don't have it, I actually feel like it's missing, like something's missing in my life. So to be able to go up there, you know, have the band play, have people just sort of get, you know, soar on the wings of melody and lyric and song and how it feels, you know, to sing also. It's, it's biologically, actually, scientifically, it actually activates your nervous system in a very different way, a very visceral way that actually delivers more oxygen to your brain and you actually feel good. Like, so it's, a, it's actually a chemical response in the body that, you know, gives you that rush, gives you that high. So in combination of that, and then if I were to top it off, something that I learned very recently also was to just be truthful, to be, I mean, I say true, I say recently, I'm like, ha oh, you know, oh my God, I've been lying the whole time. No, it's, it's when you realize that if you get nervous, so if you get, if you start getting self-conscious about, oh, do I, will I come across well? Will people get it? 
when you really focus on what this character is trying to do, you know, what, what, what's her struggles and what she is trying to say, you know, at the end of the day, what, what is, what is, what is her objective? What's her aim at the end of the day? What does she, does she resolve it? You know, cause sometimes it doesn't happen. It's just like life, life doesn't, you, you may not get all the answers. Life isn't, you know, the, the, the it's not going to give you the rosy all the time. It's going to be the ugly, the dark. And, and I think with theater, there's such a, daring and bravado to be able to get up there and tell it like it is through a medium that's highly you know entertaining so that people can walk away and feel like it's transformed by it so to me that's that's a topper knowing that no matter how I feel that day no matter how tired I am or you know that it's going to it's going to go out there and it's going to say something to people it's going to they're going to walk away and feel touched by it so a combination of all those four things, I think, at once really, really has kind of spurred me on to keep investigating this craft and to keep doing it. And it's just fun at the end of the day. <laughs> so, so it's actually what you're saying is that, you know, um, uh, because I'm imagining myself in your position and stepping mm. out into an auditorium and I'm focused on, oh my God, these people are looking at me, I'm going to bomb. Um, <laughs> but actually what you're saying, the way to, and I'm thinking of this in terms of people who are listening who might be um, thinking about doing public speaking or presentations in a boardroom, it's mm-hmm. the same um, uh, kind of uh, focus that will help them as well. Because Absolutely. what you're saying is you're focusing on the story, focusing on the outcome within the story um, and actually you're not focusing on yourself um, or the people in the auditorium you're just I've got a job to do and it is to convey the character and the story and for those people who are you know kind of terrified of public speaking and there are loads of of us out there um, it's it's the same skill isn't it that could be applied oh yeah I mean it's it's you realize it's actually a very unselfish act when you get yourself out of the way, you know, in fact, we, we're full scared because we're focused on us, right? We're focused on ourselves. And that's why we go, oh, shit, how will this come along? How does this come across? Will I will I succeed? But actually, if you just focus on playing the action, I'm sure you might have you might have come across that. This is a very acting term of like, what it, what is the character trying to do um, to be successful in that moment? What does she want? How is she going to get it? You know, and, and are you playing that truthfully? And if you are, the audience is with you because in a well-constructed play slash musical slash performance there is always that element of the audience following you along um following your journey and it's it's really for them like i mean it comes through us um as performers on stage as as even when we speak what value are we giving to the to those that are listening because if if there is no value for them there's no takeaway there's nothing that they can learn or experience or connect to then it becomes you know self it, it's becomes literally just indulgent you know and there's a lot of theater that's out like that's out there like that and there are a lot of speakers who are like that too but the most effective ones are the ones that are always looking at what is the greatest value that i can bring to this audience at this time Great. And now this uh, brings us quite neatly uh, to your um, Superstar Secrets workshop, which you, yes. you, you you run from time to time. Can you tell mm. us about that? Yes, it was born out of my um, extension, I guess, from the training that I have as a performer, as a person to how can I bring value and how can I bring service to people who are struggling with self-doubt, who are struggling with, 
finding their voices who who don't have who don't necessarily are drawn to be a performer you know are not drawn to or or maybe drawn to public speaking you know or to speak out and communicate in in the best way possible but are struggling with that and i've always been able to kind of link and bridge a lot of things together you know integrate i think maybe it comes with musical theater because when we have musical theater training we're kind of learning singing by itself and then acting by itself and then you know dancing by itself but what when you're on stage you got to put it all together and a lot of times they don't, they don't tell you that. So you have to really work your neuro pathways in order to, to integrate everything. And I noticed that the person that I was uh, on stage in my early years, especially dealing with, you know, crippling self-esteem issues was that somehow when I was on stage, I was this really, really powerful, you know, um, confident woman, uh, you know, but, but, and then coming off stage, depending on how I was feeling or how things were going, it was quite a different person, you know, and I was like, how do I, so when I looked at it and I, and I, so what I've done is I've actually taken a lot from performing arts. I've taken a lot from what we do as actors to get into roles, what we have to do in order to, 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 to put the best foot, best face forward in a situation which is like performing. So it could be if you're, uh, and, and I work a lot with CEOs, I, lo- I work a lot with business owners who are stepping now into this role, you know, of leading a company, of having to go out there, not no longer just being the employee, you know, but now having to be the one to drive everything, uh, dealing with people in a different way, dealing with, you know, the funding, the investors and, and a lot and advertising. And usually times they have to advertise their, their services via, via, you know, as, as we do, when we meet people, we network, we talk, we, we have to show up, you know, we have to, because people are, are judging, you know, people are looking at us, they're getting impressions of us, verbal and nonverbal. So I really, what I've done is I've created a system that, and through the training when I, and I do this stuff also one-to-one in groups and all that, where I really kind of get them to get to know themselves and use these techniques that performers have used for so long into creating this voice that they have, creating the most persuasive voice, the most influential image and first impression that you can make for people. Um, and then looking at where where it is that they can really shine with who they are and, and, and putting that forward, you know, saying that's the image I'm projecting now. It's not fake, it's me, but I'm amplifying it. I'm putting the volume up the way that you would if you were playing a character on stage, you're kind of larger than life. And we all have those things in us. So we just have to know how to, where it is, how to turn it on, and then, you know, be okay to let people see us that way as well. Fantastic. Now, you are, uh, it seems to me you've reached uh, quite a, you know, the height of a, a, a career in Southeast Asia. Um, mm-hmm. And you've got a, a huge amount of skills and expertise, and you're sharing those with your Superstar Secrets workshop. But you're currently in the UK studying some more <laughs> for a Master of yeah. Fine Arts in Acting uh, at the uh, East 15 Acting School. Um, yeah. So, why is it important for you to keep learning? Oh, gosh. Um, because when you stop, I mean, I know this is cliche, but literally the moment you think you know everything, you plateau, you flatline, and then it decays. Literally, a process of decay starts to happen uh, because you shut yourself off to new things and, and, and new inquiries. And, and that's probably the biggest thing. I mean, for me personally, the reason why I wanted to it was twofold because I, A, it was a way for me to to be exposed to an industry that was 
a lot more mature, where there was more opportunities for me to grow as a performer, you know, as, as someone that I, who, who thinks of herself as having a lot more to show, a lot more to, 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 to become better at. Um, and I chose acting because it was one of the things that I felt was one of my weaker points, you know, with regards to all my skill sets of being on stage. I, I've got this voice, I've, you know, I've danced, I've, I've sang, and I, but I only really started acting when I went to uni to get my BA. I had not been exposed to that earlier. So it was something which I felt, and, and, and also, you know, it really makes you understand people better, you know, understand how to navigate the social world, the, the business world better, um, because you have to do so much inquiry into human nature and what makes people do what they do. Um, so for me, it just made sense because it was going to give me all the different skills. It was going to get me connected to the right people as well. Um, and so that's why I chose it, but absolutely. Um, to to better yourself and to keep learning is something that I think never stops. And the moment you think it does, you're kind yeah. of flatlined. Yeah. yeah. And so, what um, what has there been anything that sort of has stood out that you've learned while you've been doing this course um, that you didn't know before? Oh, a lot, a lot. I think the system um, as an actor, they. It's a Stanislavski method that E15 uses um, for acting, but it's a lot more to do with the later Stanislavski work, which is all about physical actions. Like, what is the what is the person, the character doing to get what they want? So um, it gave me, it's definitely given me a very strong technique, which I'm using into now um, into my work as a performer and also when I coach others with their voices and stuff. Um, but I think the biggest takeaway has been the how how much more I don't know, how, how much I didn't know, uh, because I was, you know, at the top of where I could be as a stage performer in Asia. So, so you, you do get the feeling that like, wow, people look to you now for advice, but who do you look to, you know, and, and who do you learn from? And so I'm glad that, that, you know, the humility came in because I was like, wow, I actually don't know a lot. <laughs> so, so that, you know, and that's allowed me then to open the door to becoming an even better actor, an even better person, you know, a lot more empath, em, 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 empathic, yeah, that's the word, empathic, um, and a lot more compassionate too as a person. And, and you know, being able to kind of navigate the the different difficulties that come with being in a new place also. It's like, Oh, I don't, nobody knows me here. You know, it's like, I'm fresh, you know, I I'm new. Um, and just letting that be something which is a, a curiosity that you're exploring as opposed to feeling like, Oh, uh, you know, my ego is, is, is gone down because no one knows me and, you know, no one gives me that validation. So it's been, it's been very eye opening in that sense. Wonderful. Now, um, we're going to, to wrap up very soon. Um, mm. But before we go, um, you know, from your experience uh, in musical theatre as a, a, a superstar secrets uh, workshop facilitator and trainer, um, and, you know, now learning um, uh, in, uh, in, in the UK, um, what top tips do you have for people who want to develop more personal presence um, in daily life, in work, um, in business, and just in their daily life, um, so that they can, they, them, just ordinary people, can be more of a superstar? Yes, I think if you very, very simple. I mean, because we can we can talk about it till the cows come home, right? There's just so many nuances to it, but I think the the, the thing 
that is the most important right now is to to lean on your achievements. So look at really just, you know, spend a moment every day, if you can, just remembering everything that you've triumphed, you know, every single triumph in your life, every single time that you've, you've chosen to, um, you know, to, to be courageous as opposed to shrinking back um, and, and, and lean on them. Use that as a way in to have a greater sense of internal scaffolding because we're all, we, we're all vulnerable. You know, we all have our insecurities. And unfortunately, when we, if we're showing that, if it's bleeding into professional lives, if it's bleeding into our, our relationships a lot, then there is a certain impression that we are giving to other people. So, and, and, and we're still highly hierarchical as a society, as, as, you know, as human beings. And it's based on the tribal system when we used to, you know, the survival of mechanisms that we need. And, and therefore, what this means is that is that the impression that you're giving isn't one of, a, you know, a strong impression. Is it a strong impression with regards to, are you a leader? Are you someone that can be depended on? Are you someone who is going to, other people are going to look up to? And what, what qualities in yourself, you know, do, do you have within that that you need to bring out, that you need to explore? And it's just about saying yes to that. It's about saying, oh, I'm actually really resilient. You know, I'm actually, I've been through the hard stuff. Yes, it's hurt me, but I'm actually so courageous because I could have given up. You know, I could have blah, blah, blah. And use that internal self-talk to to really prop yourself up and say, hey, I do have a lot to offer the world. And as soon as you start to get that story going in, in your mind, it's like, it's kind of like you're turning up the volume on the inner dialogue that is going to strengthen you as opposed to deplete you, you know, the old stories that we tell ourselves, I'm not good enough and blah, 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 blah. And you, and notice how you change your speech. Notice how people react to you immediately. Um, you're going to give a different impression. You're going to walk into the room. Can you imagine if you've had that conversation with yourself right before you go and meet someone new is like, and you know your worth. It's like, you know what you can do. You know, of course, you know your weaknesses too, but you don't have to necessarily have that be the way that you connect with other people, you know, because everyone's, everyone's got insecurities. So A, positive self-talk, very, very important. B, that comes with also looking at your triumphs, you know, looking at what you have done really well. And if I could give one more tip with regards to that, I would say, Look at the basic things in your life. Like when I say basic, basic, I mean rest. I mean nutrition. I mean activity level. At things as a human being, if you do want to take the mind out of it, right? So if you don't want to talk about affirmations, look how you're treating yourself as far as your body. Are you drinking enough water? Are you getting enough sleep? Are you, you know, are you using a structure that is working for you? Are you burning out? Because the more you burn out, the more fear you're going to get every time you try to attempt something that's going to require you to be highly productive. So if you can look at those things, nutrition, rest, um, and, and just finding an, a way to use your energy the best, you're going to feel better because, oh, it's working for me now and I, and I can go for the long run. So I would say those three things right now, if, if, if anyone's listening to this. You know, That's yeah. wonderful. <laughs> um, and I think it's, I was just thinking this is perfect because we're recording this on the 2nd of January and of course it's mm-hmm. New Year. Um, and I'm feeling just listening to you all ramped up thinking of all the things I've achieved and thinking, right, I'm going to eat well tonight. I'm going to sleep well and I'm going to start 2019 with a lot of energy <laughs> and positivity. So thank you, <laughs> Stephanie Van Treesen, for those wonderful tips. <laughs> It's my pleasure. <laughs> where, where can people find out more about you? 
Oh, amazing. I love connecting. So I'm highly active on Instagram. That's probably where I post most of my stuff um, daily with regards to also what will help people, you know, just improve their lives and get to know themselves better. So it's Stephanie Van Driesen. You can search for me on Instagram. Um, also on Facebook, I'm pretty active. So I have a, I have a fan page um, where I post up quite a lot of my performing work there. So, you know, sh upcoming shows, previous shows, um, some thoughts about, you know, being an artist, being a creative person. Um, and uh, I also have a website. So that's um, www.sfastage.com. So Stephanie Vandriesen, thank you so much. Thank you, Yangmei, really. I mean, you're, what a wonderful opportunity to share share this stuff via this platform. So I'm just so grateful that we met, that I've performed. Oh, yeah, I performed your, your bit of work as well. The audience, if you're listening to it. <laughs> I performed an excerpt from Bound Feet Blues recently, and that's how we got connected. Um, powerful stuff. So I'm just so glad that there is this platform um, in order to share these amazing ideas and things which work. Yeah. Thank you, Stephanie. Thank you very much. And Happy New Year to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> That was Stephanie Van Driesen. You can find her on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook as at Stephanie Van Driesen, and her website is www.sfastage.com. There are photos of Stephanie and the various roles she has played, as well as those links again on the show notes page. And the short link for the show notes page is bit.ly bit forward slash ccv hyphen superstar. If you've enjoyed this episode of Creative Conversations, I hope you'll help me spread the word. Please share this episode with your friends wherever you usually share stuff. Or you can subscribe to the show or leave a lovely review on anchor.fm, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. All this will help the magic algorithms bring the show to more people. Creative Conversations is produced by tigerspirit.co.uk. To find out more about this and other episodes of Creative Conversations, go to bit.ly bit.ly forward slash creative conversations hyphen podcast. I'm Yang Mei Ui. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook as at tigerspiruk. Thanks for listening and see you next time.